Well, good morning. My name is John McCormick, and I am the leader of Renovation U, and I am super excited to be with you guys today. So excited to be back outside on a beautiful day with you all. And I want to start it off today by asking you guys to remember back to when you were kids. That could have been a long time ago. That could have been two minutes ago. But let's think back to when we were kids. When we really wanted something, what did we do? Or what did you do yesterday? (laughs) You might say something like, you know, Mom, I really want this toy from the toy store. Or Dad, just one more brownie, please. And we, we ask and we say, can we have that stuff? And if we're really clever, we'll wait until our parents are in a really good mood and then ask, because we know it increases the chances of getting what we want. And what do your kids, what do your parents say when you ask for something most of the time? No. <laughs> no, they don't say no, really? you got to be kidding. Yeah, sometimes our parents say no. But what if you really, really want something? Like, you just have to have it. It's that, it's that new video game, or it's that new skateboard, it's that new whatever. What do you do? Do you just ask once and then give up? No, you keep asking, right? You keep asking and asking and asking. And parents, what do, what do we do? We, we say no, and then the kids wear us down, and then eventually we say yes, right? That's, that's how it tends to work. Because they, the constant asking gets us to the point where we say, fine, fine, you can have it. Just, just stop. Just stop asking. And we get worn down by that. And as kids, we learn that persistence can actually be the key to getting what we want or what we need just keeping asking over and over again. Now, before I go on today, kids, so the parents don't get upset with me, the Bible says to honor your father and mother, and that means listen to them when they say no and be kind about it. But this kind of persistence we want to talk about today, you guys are the ones that remind us of this, which is awesome. And actually, Jesus talks about this kind of persistence too. Today in our passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples about why it's important to be persistent sometimes. So we're going to be looking in Luke 18, and Jesus is telling us a parable about a very persistent person. I'd love for you to follow along with me today. So if you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and pull that out and open up to Luke 18. Or if you've got your smartphone, you can go to the Renovation Church app and tap on Outdoor Services, and the verses will be there for you as well. So we're going to be reading in Luke 18, starting right at verse 1. Let's read that together. So it says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So I want to start off this morning by looking through these, these two characters that Jesus is telling us about and get an idea of what's going on here. So the first character Jesus introduces is the judge. And I want to give you some context around in that time period, in that point in history, what a judge was. In all likelihood, a judge would have been a Roman judge. So the ruling authorities that passed down when someone did something right or wrong. And they were often very corrupt. So it was less about who did the right thing or the wrong thing, more about who had the most money, who could bribe them the most to get what they wanted. And those that weren't corrupt, they weren't doing things based on God's rules. They were doing it based on what they thought was right or wrong, not based on somebody else. So Jesus describes this judge as someone who doesn't fear God and doesn't care what people thought. Or in some other translations, it says he didn't respect people. This judge likely has no idea who God is at all. He's a Roman. He doesn't know God and has no interest in giving out judgments based on somebody else's rules, based on God's rules in this case. And Jesus also says he doesn't really care what people think about him. 
He's going to do whatever he wants to. He doesn't care about helping people. He's just out for his own self-interest and what he thinks is right. Certainly not the kind of person that you would want passing judgment on us because we don't know what he's going to do. So this judge represents the person that should have given that widow justice and instead just ignored her, which is not good. And he can't take the constant presence of this widow. She just keeps showing up and keeps asking and keeps asking. And it's that persistence that makes him give her justice. He even says in verse 5, at the, you saw it at the end there, he said, I have to, I have to give this woman what she needs because she might attack me if I don't. We see no indication from the widow that she's going to actually hurt this guy, but he's so scared. He's worked up this fear in his mind that she's going to attack him because she just keeps coming and he's getting scared of it. And in the end, it's not kindness or mercy or even justice that makes this judge give the woman what she needs. It's, it's self-preservation. It's self-interest. He's just a, he doesn't want to get hurt. You can probably picture him going, just leave me alone, woman. Just take what you need and go away. And he's so worked up by it because he's so terrified. So he's, that's the judge. Great guy, probably great best friend material. So someone you want to get to know for sure. And Jesus goes on to give us context about the widow. So the widow he talks about, she is coming to the judge because someone has committed some kind of injustice against her. It's called the adversary in verse 3, but we don't really know anything more about him. It's just some person who's harmed the widow, and she needs justice. She needs that wrong to be righted. And what's interesting is that she comes to the judge by herself. Now, in our American context, that probably doesn't seem that interesting that a woman goes to court. But in those days, in Roman times, women didn't go to court. They would send a man instead. The men went to court, and and the women really didn't go. Normally, a woman would send uh, someone on her behalf, so a a father, a brother, a husband, a cousin, whoever she had to go to that judge. But she doesn't have anybody. She's a widow, so her husband has passed away, and she has no other male relatives to go and fight for justice for her on her behalf. And so instead, she comes to the judge herself, which already shows in how dire of a situation she is. She needs justice, and she needs it badly. And the last thing we notice about the widow is that she's not being clever when she comes to the judge. She's not being deceptive about it. She's not saying, you know, hey, give me justice because you're a really great guy. She's not flattering. She's not deceiving. She's just plainly and simply saying, give me what I deserve. And based on what Jesus is telling us in the story, give me what she, she has earned by being, in, by being wronged by somebody else. So she's just coming and doing the right thing, asking for something good, and the judge is just not paying any attention. So Jesus takes these two characters, and then immediately he switches what he does to, to draw out two contrasts for us to teach us something from this parable. So look at verse 6 in your passage there. Let's keep reading. Let's see what it says. It says, And then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So the first contrast we have is that Jesus is contrasting the judge against God. And he he shows that the judge is is evil. He's not good. He's not giving justice. He's just being self-interested. Whereas God is giving justice based on who he is. So if a bad judge can give justice, how much more could God? Jesus actually uses this kind of contrast a couple of times in, in the Bible. If you're in your Renovation Church app, you can just see it. Otherwise, it's in Matthew 7, 11. He uses a similar example of this. He says, if you then, that's us, are evil, and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in that contrast, it's us 
we're sinful people. We're messed up people, but we still good give, we give good gifts to our children. How much more than would God, who is good, give good gifts to us because he loves us? And in this case, the judge is bad, but God is good. It's the same sort of contrasting and showing us that God is even more so going to exceed what we humans would do because he loves us, because he's good, because based on his own character, he loves justice. He loves giving good things to us because he cares about us. And in contrast to the judge, we should feel a million times more comfortable coming to God with whatever we need because he's good and because he cares about us. But let's get really honest for a moment. And I want to ask you guys a hard question. Do you see God this way? Do you see God as this judge up in the sky who has to be harassed and bothered into helping us? Who just does stuff to get us to leave him alone? Or do you see God as Jesus sees him, a holy, loving God who cares for us and provides for us because he loves us? Which way do we see him? And I think the answer is, unfortunately, we see him more often as the judge than we see him as Jesus sees him. It's a hard thing for us because we make requests of him and we don't see him respond right away or in the way that we want him to. And so we think maybe he is not listening like the judge. Maybe he doesn't care like the judge. And that makes it hard for us to follow him and trust him with everything we need. If you ask somebody for something and they don't give it, it's, it's hard to trust that person a second time. And as Americans, we have this mindset, this consumeristic mindset that says, if I don't get what I want the way I want it right now, that person doesn't care, or that thing isn't good. And what, what Jesus is showing us is that we need to resist that. God, he says God is swift to respond. Just because he seems slow, it's because of our perspective. To us, we want it right then, but God might say, no, not right now, tomorrow or later, because his timing is better. He promises to give us what we need if we would only wait for him. And I want to clarify that just slightly, because it's not about God's going to give us whatever we think we need. He's going to give us whatever he knows we need, right? We think we need things all the time that we don't actually need, and God knows what we need, and that's what he promises to give us. Now, on the other side, Jesus is also drawing a comparison using the widow, and that contrast is against us. That widow, we see, is persistently asking the judge for what she needs. She has faith that justice will be done if she just keeps pursuing it. She has hope that she is going to get what she needs. But we got to be honest with ourselves and ask this question. When was the last time I or you or anybody persistently asked God like this? When was the last time you just kept banging on the door of heaven asking God for what you needed? When was the last time you approached God like a child, like a kid that just said, I need this. I need it. I need it. I need it. If we're honest with ourselves, I think for most of us, the answer is probably never, right? Maybe in a situation where somebody was dying and suddenly we're like, oh God, please no, this person needs to live. Save this person, please, I beg you. And we're persistent in that moment. But in everyday life, probably not. Now, if you do do this, that's awesome. Keep doing it. That's fantastic. But for the rest of us, this passage should hit us in the chest, this should be a wake-up call for us. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, talking to his disciples, knew that this passage would apply to them and to us. It's still relevant 2,000 years later because we fall into the same traps that they did. We fall into the same mistakes, and we don't keep asking. 
We don't listen to this parable. In fact, we often just gloss over this parable when we read. We go by it quickly. And Jesus really drives this point home with us that we need to pay attention. Look at the second half of verse 8 at the end of this passage. Jesus says, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? If you remember, the Son of Man is just another term for Jesus, another name he gives himself. And he's using hyperbole here when he says this. He's exaggerating. Because we know from the Bible, there will be faith on earth at the end of all things. But what he's saying is, the kind of faith that he's looking for is really difficult. It's hard. It's work. It's not, it's not something that just comes naturally. It is a challenge for us because we don't like it. Our pride says, I don't need anybody else. I can do it. It's the American way. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, which makes no sense because you can't... Never mind. Anyways... We can't do that, but we want to. We desperately want to rely on ourselves. And and God says, no, that's not the way it works. And we have to let go of our pride and ask somebody for help. Ask God for help. But it's a challenge. And so the question is, Jesus, what do we do? How do we do this? What's the mechanism for this? And it was in verse 1. Did you catch it? It was the very first thing Jesus said. Let's look at verse 1 again. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. The way Jesus wants us to live is to keep asking God for what we need. We need to be persistent in how we go to God to the point of, if it were possible, to annoy God and just keep coming to him and say, God, I need you. I need this. Please help me, save me, provide for me. Whatever that need is, we have to keep coming to him. And if you pray like this, it will change your life. I'll give you two examples as to why. The first one comes from an amazing man of faith named George Mueller, who David's talked about many times at Renovation Church. This gentleman lived in London in the 1800s, and he created five orphanages over 44 years. And in those 44 years, never once did he have to ask anybody for anything. This guy wasn't rich. He didn't have amazing connections. He just prayed like a crazy person, or really prayed like what we're supposed to pray like. It seems crazy to us, but that's what we're supposed to do. And not once in 44 years did he ever lack anything. They had food and water. They had milk. They had clothes. They had everything the children needed because George Mueller prayed. Another great example from the Bible, the prophet Isaiah in 2 Kings 20. He prays to God earnestly. God takes the sun and moves it back 10 paces, shifts the sun back because one guy on earth prayed. Imagine what would happen in our own lives if we prayed like that. If we earnestly went to God and said, God, we need you to move now. We need you. He would move in amazing ways. If we could just stop relying on ourselves or on our money or on medicine or on the government or on the news or on whatever it is, if we would rely on God instead, he can and will move in amazing ways when we do that. We need to be more like kids and go to our parent, God, and say, God, we need you, and ask him over and over again, and depend on him like kids depend on their parents. That's what we're called to do in this passage. And when a need comes up in our lives, we're supposed to take that to God first. Before we try to solve it ourselves and just deal with it, or before we go to somebody else and ask for advice or solution, we go to God. That's what Jesus tells us. We go to God. And we have to persistently go to God. That's what this passage is all about. Keep asking. And throughout history, people have misunderstood this, unfortunately. A great example is, is monasteries. People thought that this passage was a call to, we need to pray literally every second of every day for the rest of our lives. Praying as much as you can is good. Pray as much as you can in your life. God wants to talk to you, but 
We're also called to take care of one another and love one another and tell people about Jesus and all these things we're called to do in the Bible. And you can't do that if you spend every second in prayer. So we're not supposed to isolate ourselves and just pray for the rest of our lives, but we're called to pray a lot. And the second trap we fall into and that people have fallen into throughout human history is that if we don't get what we need, it means that God isn't answering us. That God isn't listening. God isn't speaking back to us. But sometimes he says no, right? Our parents say no to us as kids. God says no to us sometimes too. Why does a parent say no? Because a parent knows better in some cases. They, they know what the kids need more than the children themselves. God knows better than we do sometimes. Look at, look at the Apostle Paul. He had what he described as a thorn in his flesh. He had something that bothered him, something that, that hurt him. And he prayed three times to God and said, God, take this away. I beg of you, take this from me. And God said, no. And Paul said, okay, God, I trust you. Look at Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he dies. He says, God, if there's another way, I don't want to die. But not my will, but yours be done. And God says, no, Jesus, this is the only way. Jesus says, okay, I'll do it. He's content in that. And when it's a no answer, it doesn't mean God doesn't love us. It means that God has a different plan. God has something else we need in mind. And when we hear no, what we should do is pray persistently for God to help us be okay with no. As Americans, we're terrible with no. We need to learn to be okay with no. We need to pray persistently, God, help me be okay with no. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up today giving you three guidelines that will help us pray the way Jesus is calling us to pray in this passage. The first one is setting consistent prayer times is critical. It is so critical. Look at Daniel in the Old Testament. He prayed three times a day, no matter what. He was going to be thrown in the lion's den and be eaten by lions, and he keeps praying. He says, I don't care. I need to pray. Look at King David in the Bible. He says, I'm going to pray in the evening, in the morning, and at noon because he needs God. He's on the run. He needs God to protect him. He's always praying consistently. And we need those times where we can sit down with him and say, God, let, I just need to talk to you. I need to share where I'm at. I need to explain what's going on. I need you, God. And do those deep prayer times. That's number one. The second one is we need to live in a mindset of prayer. What's a mindset of prayer? This is really well modeled for us by Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah in chapters one and two, he spends first chapter praying to God, saying, God, I need you. God, please bring back Jerusalem. It's been destroyed. And he just earnestly prays to God. And then in chapter two, he goes to the king. And the king says, Nehemiah, what do you need? And what does does, uh, Nehemiah say? He says nothing. He prays. He stops and prays for a split second before he answers the king and says, probably, God, I need you right now. Please help the king be, be favorable. And then he responds to the king. He stops in the moment. He has a mindset of prayer that whenever something comes up, he's praying. At a moment's notice, he's ready to pray. We need to be ready to pray at a moment's notice. Whether it's a quick flare up to heaven in a moment of need, God, I need you right now, or a deep prayer time, we need to be ready all the time to pray no matter what happens. And the third thing is we have to persistently ask God for what we need. We've we've heard it in this passage. We have to just keep banging on God's door until he responds, until he gives us some kind of answer. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon had a great analogy for this. I thought it was really good. He said, when we pray normally, we go up to, it's like someone who goes up to a door and knocks once and then walks away within two seconds after not hearing a response. That's how we pray. God, I need something. Nothing. Okay, I'm going to walk. You have to wait for the person at the door to respond, right? 
You got to give them a minute to get there so they can actually respond. And we need to do the same thing with God. We don't just ask once or twice. We keep asking until we get some kind of response from God. We don't give up. And if we follow those guidelines, if we can maintain a life of prayer like that, if we can be persistent in chasing after God, whether it's a five-second prayer or a two-hour prayer session or whatever, he promises to respond to us. Even better, Jesus says he'll be swift in response. And we've got to seek after him in that way. So my, my encouragement to you is seek after God in prayer. Make it a part of your everyday life. Whether it's five seconds or five hours, do both. Mix it up. Do many things. But seek after him and you will receive what you need. Not necessarily what you think you need, but what God knows you need. He will give it to you. And Jesus promises in this passage that he will respond to you swiftly. He will not delay in responding to you. So let's together as a church pray to God and trust him and seek after him. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for the chance to come together today and and learn about prayer and learn about how it matters and learn about how good you are and how much you love us. Lord, I just ask that you would give us a mindset of prayer. Help us to pray morning, noon, and night. Help us to pray in the moment like Nehemiah. And I just ask that when we pray, you would respond, Lord, that you would surpass our expectations with showing us how much you love us and how good you are. May you move in our lives and help us to trust in you. And may we find peace in what you have for us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.